a familiar face is back atop the top 10 of the NFL draft. College football coaches are getting fired left and right. We've got more Senior Bowl invites to talk about. And how's that defensive line class looking? We're going to look at the top five. All that and more on tonight's Draft Countdown Podcast. Welcome to tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Bosarge, joined as always by my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, we are 161 days, 22 hours, 58 minutes, and 20 seconds away from the 2024 NFL Draft. Last two weeks of the regular season of college, and we, we get to the championship games, the Bulls. It's coming up hot here, Brian. We got a loaded show tonight, too, and I mean loaded. If you got if you're listening live in the chat, you got a question you want to have answered in the, the show, go ahead and drop it in there. If you're following along on Twitter, uh, send us a question there at Draft Countdown. If you're a member of our Discord, please send us a question there. If you're not a member of our Discord, go to draftcountdown.com. Top right corner search bar, there's a link to join the Discord as well. And we ask, as always, subscribe to the channel if you're new to us on YouTube uh, and like the videos and share them out. All right. Like I said, a busy show tonight. We're going to start hot and heavy. College football coaches getting fired out the yin-yang already, Shane. We got to start with the big one, right? Because it's the biggest money involved. I think we knew it was coming, and we were still surprised it actually happened. Texas A&M has fired Jimbo Fisher. Like something between $75 and $80 million. They've got to buy him out, plus his assistants. Plus, you're going to have to buy out probably another coach. You're going to have to pay his assistance and then pay his salary. This is going to end up costing Texas A&M somewhere probably between 120 and 140 million dollars. Yeah, I, I, like I don't know if it's worth that. <laughs> just, just, just stuck it out a year, but it's a don't give that contract out. And if I, I'm a coach getting hired there, I, I mean, I you know what they pay. Right, like okay, <laughs> uh, get you know, g- give me give me something in the ballpark, give me something guaranteed. Um, you know, Texas A&M, he, Jimbo Fisher lived off that win against Alabama a couple years back and has kind of lived off that, but really hasn't been a great coach. He's had great recruits and never developed them, and that should get you fired. Right. Um, I agree, and he should probably cut a check to Jameis Winston as well just for helping the calls. Yeah. Because uh, without Jameis Winston, he doesn't get the national championship on his resume which means, you know, he probably doesn't get that contract. Um, another coach in the SEC West 
was terminated and is the first SEC coach to never finish a, to his first full season as head coach. Uh, Zach Arnett let go at Mississippi State. Uh, he started off with some bad karma. Mike Leach apparently had, you know, some handshake deals with some of his assistants to um, for new contracts, and he just didn't honor those and let them go. Basically, scrapped the air raid. Wanted to run. They wanted to bring in his own people. Didn't really work out. That kind of bad juju sets you off on the wrong foot right out the go. And don't make uh, emotional hires. Is the other lesson to be learned here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't get the firing, like the, the assistant thing. All right, but if you hired him, knowing the air raid's gonna be scrapped, and all he's stuck with is a full team for this offense, like that's on you. That's on you. Like, don't fire, don't fire him less than a year later. You know, honestly, it's it's funny because the offense was so bad that the defense gave up points, but the defense wasn't that bad um you know they, they really didn't give up that much in terms of yardage uh it just seems like a, a short-sighted mistake and now what are you going to do you have a team that's going to be half air raid half half this system and you're going to bring in someone else for a different system like mississippi state could be in the hole for a long time i agree um zach Barnett's not going to be out of work long um He's a he's a really good defensive coordinator. There's at least two schools with their initials that are U S and C. Uh, both of them will probably be looking for defense coordinators into the, the season, and he would fit in well at either place, I, I believe. Uh, but yeah, anxious to see what goes on there. Um, Mountain West changing of the guard, Boise State. Uh, Andy Avalos did not work out there in Boise. Yeah, the expectations are just a slightly bit higher from those those glory years of Boise State, but in today's NIL and getting recruits like uh I don't think Boise's the place to be <laughs> anymore. The, the, I, I, the blue turf doesn't really hit anymore to the young kids. Actually I think it's one of the worst jobs you can have because I think the expectations are higher than they should be for that job. I wonder if they bring back Brian Harston. Just throwing it out there. He's looking yeah. for work. It could be a possibility. And he knows how to win there. So I, I thought about that when I saw that go across. Um, not a firing per se, but San Diego State head coach Brady Hoke is retiring. Now, I don't know if this is retirement or if he's actually just retiring. I, I, I don't know, but he's stepping away at the end of this season. That's another team that feels like a sleeping giant type, but uh, they've got to get better on offense. Yeah. Brady Hoke from the Michigan glory days of this, this yeah. three years there, you know, we remember, but back going, yeah, going back to San Diego state. I, yeah. I wonder if this is just like, see ya. And he doesn't really want to get fired from this job, you know? Yeah, probably. Uh, Heard a lot of talk that, and maybe he'll have other opportunities uh, come open, but Washington offense coordinator Ryan Grubb is a name I've heard early linked to that job and would probably be a good good get for them. Yeah. Um, before we get to one rumored firing, because uh, I know this one's close to you, so to speak, Penn State offensive coordinator Mike Yerkick, Yerkick 
let go after that abomination of a game against Michigan this week. Yeah, I, I mean, it, wow, it was bad, and so I, I get it. Um, I don't think the offense is improving here. And he was also the quarterback's coach, and Drew Largest has not developed the way you needed a five-star recruit to. So James Franklin, uh, I mean, after this year, might be a little bit on the hot seat. Like, you got to win one of these big games here pretty soon. And next year, you, you get U- USC, you get, you know, Washington – uh, not going to be just two games that you're going to lose. There might be more here. Yeah, that's uh, we, yeah, we might be talking this time next year about James Franklin uh, yeah. getting let go. Finally, a rumored thing that could happen after this week uh, UCLA and Chip Kelly might be uh, parting ways here after their game against Southern Cal on Saturday. That is the rumor. Yeah, I think from a strictly on-field perspective, I, I wouldn't make that move. Um, you know, not that Chip Kelly's been wildly successful, but you know, at least I think the system's working. You're trying to develop Dante more into this system, but uh, there's been some rumors, maybe some some things in terms of off the field, just how he's kind of managing the program. They want to get rid of him. I don't think Chip Kelly will be a free agent for long. I think a team's going to hire him. Uh, pretty quickly if he wants to be hired again. Yeah. Um, he's, I mean, it's just one of those deals, right? Uh, he's not, they haven't been as successful as I think I thought they would be this year. I thought they'd be a lot better than six and four. I mean, they're, they're, they're staring down seven and five probably right in the face. Yeah. I, I can see them making the move. Um, he's back in TV if he doesn't get back in coaching. So, I mean, he's not going to be out of work long. Yeah, he's fine. Anybody else just quickly off the top of your head that you can see maybe a higher profile in getting uh, getting let go? Um, yeah, I mean, I, no one – No, I think there's a lot of guys that might get, you know, that might get close. Uh, but I, I don't think I see anyone else that's going to be a big, a big name. I mean, I, mean, I think Dabo Sweeney's got it. That's got to start getting hot. I don't think he can – fire him right now you know it's not going to happen but i i don't know if there's another like big high profile coach that's getting the axe do you have anyone i'd say sam Pittman at arkansas towing towing the line a little bit yeah that's um, fair. but but other than that no n- nothing of nothing else all right let's move on to the top 10 update as we do every week on this show we we look at the top 10 of the nfl draft order after its week courtesy of our good friends at tankathon.com and the familiar face that's back on top is the Chicago Bears by way of the Carolina Panthers they are back at the number one pick in the draft as the Panthers are a half game ahead of the Giants and New England who currently resided second and third uh the Giants just look bad and New England somehow looks worse and the Giants actually now the betting favorite to have the number one pick. So I'll take that for what it's worth. I mean, if, we keep, if we're going to keep trotting, uh, trotting Tommy DeVito out there every week, <laughs> I damn sure say they're the betting favorite to be the number one pick. Yeah, you're not winning another one. I so poor Tommy DeVito. He's catching strays on this show every week now, and it's not yeah. his fault. Yeah, no, like, look, he never should have been. <laughs> yeah, you know, you never should be starting at the very least. We'll see if Matt Barkley gets the call soon. I would imagine so. Um, 
I mentioned New England at three. That doesn't look like it's getting better at all. Um, Arizona, they're all the way down to four now. Um, they Kyler Murray's back. I feel like they're gonna they're gonna keep steadily getting better uh, as we go. They may not win. They might might win end up winning like six games or so, but I feel like they're gonna play better every week and they're going to stink some games in. Chicago currently picking five uh, with a three and seven record. Uh, uh, Green Bay now at six. That team's just finds way to finds ways to lose every week. It seems the Rams at seven, Matt Stafford back. So we'll see uh, if the Rams lull kind of ends a little bit. They're on three game losing streak. Uh, the Tennessee Titans have lost two in a row. Uh, after the initial burst by Will Levis, um, eh, maybe great. he is who we think he is. Yeah. And uh, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, I mentioned that we've, we've talked to They've now lost three in a row. Arthur Smith probably going to get canned, right? Because he is just not good at what he's doing right Some now. bad losses they've had. I mean, yeah. you've got offensive weapons at the yin-yang, and what are you doing, man? Um, and you lost to Josh Dobbs, who knew 10 plays. So. 10 plays. Not, that's not good. Uh, the Washington Commanders round out the top 10 with the 10th pick of the draft. So that's that's that. Uh, any Anything standing out to you there? Not much. I think it's interesting Justin Fields will be back for the Bears, which, you know, only, two of their wins have been with Tyson Badgett at quarterback, two of the three. So I don't know if that helps or hurts their position here in, in the top 10. Um, and Sam Howell for Washington leads the league in passing yards, and they're still picking in the top ten. So I, I don't know. I still think I, I think the Jets are going to find a way. The Jets are in the, struggling. I think they're going to find a way into this top ten soon. They keep trotting Zach Wilson out there every week. I, I don't understand your deep. They have a maybe not a Super Bowl level defense, but they've got a win an AFC playoff game defense and their offense is just into it. abhorrent. Uh, but Denver seems to have righted the ship. Looks like they've won three in a row now. Yeah. Top, top uh, five defense right now in the NFL over the after, past after giving up 70 points in a game. Well, uh, over the last uh, three weeks. So, yes. And, yes. and I mean, they, you know, they played the chiefs and the bills. It's not like they played some crappy quarterbacks there. And somehow your Pittsburgh Steelers six and three being outgained in every single game they played. Look, look, that that's that's just a good team. Closing the fourth every time. Can he pick it clutch? I mean, we're going up against a monster quarterback this weekend, Dorian Thompson Robinson uh for Cleveland now. So yep, Deshaun Watson, uh, for those of you who uh haven't heard, is out for the year with uh, he's having shoulder surgery. So He's done. All right. Let's look at back at week 11 of college football. As we do every week, we look at the best offensive and defensive player from the games that we watched last week. Um, I was surprised at how good uh, UNLV wide receiver Ricky White is. Uh, I bet on UNLV a lot, but haven't watched them a lot, right? <laughs> but uh, I, I, what I saw was a – good-sized receiver who runs good routes, catches the ball away from his body, snatches it, 
uh, and has got decent speed. Caught eight balls for 144 yards and a touchdown in their blowout win over Wyoming the other night. I was very impressed uh, with Ricky White in that offense. He's he's a producer. Um, you know, I I think I don't know if he gets drafted, but Ricky White has the type of athleticism to maybe be a sixth, seventh round pick, play some special teams. So uh, really good, really good call there. Who's the best offense player you watched this week? I'm going receiver as well. I'm going with Tez Walker, the receiver for North Carolina, who wasn't allowed to play early in the season because of the NCAA, and now is, is just a monster. And I mean, against Duke, it was it was a monster game. He had a, a catch on the sideline that was phenomenal. The athleticism, the body control is there. Playing from the slots, just you know, uh, the, the slant, just wide open all the time. And and Drake May is looking to him seven for one sixty two. I think Tez Walker could come out and be a day two pick uh, when all said and done for the 2024 draft. This is not the last time you're going to hear us talk negatively about the NCAA tonight. <laughs> uh, spoiler away. Uh, best defensive player that I watched this week uh, was for Louisville, and it's uh, their edge rusher, Ashton Galat. Just an absolute menace in that game against Syracuse. He gets around the edge with very little resistance. He's um, only a third-year player. If he comes out this year, I mean, he's definitely going to be a – he's going to have to stand up at the next level. He's not going to be a hand-in-the-ground guy like he is at Louisville. He's only 6'4", listed at 220. But uh, against the Orange the other night, seven tackles, one and a half sacks, uh, and had a, a fumble recovery um, of their, on a strip sack by someone else. Like I said, Syracuse didn't offer a whole lot of resistance. I'm sorry, it's not Syracuse, I'm sorry, uh, Virginia – didn't offer uh, a whole lot of resistance the other night, but uh, Galat just made plays, and he's made plays all season. He's been highly productive the entire season. There's a big reason why Louisville's only got one loss on the year and has a chance to win the ACC. Louisville's good. They're, they're a good squad, uh, offense and defense. So I, I need to move Galat up my my board. I've, I've definitely been impressed when I've seen him as well. Who's the best defensive player you watched this week? Well, I, I'm going to the guy that I picked this game to, to watch. It's Quinion Mitchell, the corner from Toledo, going up against Bowling Green. Um, they, they challenged him early. He, you know, he was uh, on on ball defense is just uh, phenomenal. I mean, he was sticking with the receiver. Even when he gave, gave up a catch, short catches, uh, would get the tackle immediately. Nice wrap up, heavy tackle. We had six tackles in the game. And then. Bowling Green gets the ball, minute 45 to go, down by a point. All they have to do is get in field goal range. They try to challenge Quinion Mitchell uh, twice in a row. And, and it was like, that's not – the whole game they're throwing to the tight end because uh, Harold Fannin did because we're not challenging the boundary. And then they try to do it again. It was a bad choice. And Mitchell won uh, – essentially won the game for Toledo in this one. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about him and, and myself in just, just a little while. As that's one of my games this week just to watch him. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's it for our look back at week 11 of college football. But now, Shane, uh, I'm going to do a little something different this week. Uh, we're, we're, we've had a little, uh, three weeks of college football playoff rankings. Yeah. So we've had time to crunch the data. We've had time to look ahead. Who do we think is going to win the rest of these games the rest of the way? And we're going to lay out who we think are the four teams 
that are going to make this year what could be the final year, by the way, of the four-year playoff if the higher-ups have their way, and they will because money. Um, we're going to project who will be the four teams that will make the college football playoff, and just for fun, we'll put the last two teams we have out. So, Shane, we'll start with you. One, two, three, and four, then five and six. All right, four teams that will make the college football playoff. Number one is Ohio State. I think they beat Michigan. They get the number one seed. Number two is Florida State. I don't think Florida State's very good, but I do think they beat Louisville and win out uh, for the season. Number three is Alabama. I think Alabama is going to run the table and win the SEC. And number four is Oregon. I think Oregon wins out, beats Washington, gets into the college football playoff. Two out, uh, Georgia, I think losing the SEC championship pretty badly to Alabama, and then Michigan losing to Ohio State uh, is my last two out. I like it. I thought we were going to be vastly different here, but we are not. No. Uh, for the most part. Number one for me will be the Ohio State University. As I'm with you, I think they run the table. Florida State for me is number two. Number three for me is also Alabama. But number four for me is the Georgia Bulldogs, followed by Texas and Washington, five and six. Michigan falls off. Well, I, I think, you know, you and I were talking a little before the show, like we could really use the 12-team tw- the, the yes. playoff. We need the 12-team playoff this year. You know, I, I think Texas drops uh, another game. I think I think Texas is going to maybe lose in the Big 12 title game to Oklahoma State um, because they beat Alabama. And that's part of the problem is we could really see a not – that would be crazy for the last year to not have an SEC team make the playoff. But if Alabama beats Georgia, Texas wins out. Texas has to go over Alabama. If Washington wins out there undefeated, you have to put them in. So you have an Ohio, a Big Ten champ. ACC champ, both undefeated, and Pac-12 champ undefeated. They're all in. You have to put Texas in over Alabama because Texas beat them in in their house. And like, I just can't see the college the playoff committee saying not no SEC teams this year. See, this is where this is why how I ended up with two SEC teams in the final four team playoff because my thought process is Alabama beats Georgia close in the SEC championship game, so they both have one loss. Texas also has the one. I don't think Texas loses again. So I think they beat Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game. So now you have the scenario. Poor Washington here, I think, is going to beat Oregon State this week, beat Wazoo, but lose to Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. But I think Oregon loses to Oregon State in the final battle there that they're going to play. So you have two loss Oregon beating uh, one loss Washington. I'm sorry, uh, undefeated Washington. Giving Washington one loss, but Oregon's the Pac-12 champ. We we keep it up with all this, okay? We got the report <laughs> board out, but okay. So I, in this scenario, I'm really and I'm just dumped Michigan because I think I'm, I'm just going to say Ohio State blows them out. In the all last right, game. all right, that that's, just blows that them out in that game, but blows yeah. them out. I'll take so it. Michigan has dropped off here for for plus whether they want to or not. I think they're going to hold the other stuff against them. 
secret backdoor. If, if they lose, they're you know they're well, not getting in. What what do you call it? The double secret probation in the in the meetings. I think they're going to 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 hold that against them. But in this scenario, with Alabama, Georgia, Texas all having one loss, I I think they rank one loss Georgia ahead of Texas, oh, but man. but give Alabama credit for beating Georgia no and keep Texas way. out. If Texas wins out, they are in over Alabama. Now you know there's a there's a chance that that we have four undefeated teams. Georgia wins out as well, and Texas does get in. But there's right. no and, and, and it's, I, and it's, there's no way that the committee, with how they're approaching this right now, it would keep Texas out and put Alabama in unless Texas loses another game. Like you, you can't you can't do it. You can't. They played head to head. In Tuscaloosa and, and, and beat them by double digits, like Texas. I've in. seen dumber shit <laughs> with this playoff committee since it started than this than what we just talked about. I've seen dumber that they've done. I don't know if I've, I've I don't think I've ever seen a head to head when both teams have. have Obviously, for right. everybody's sanity, the cleanest route here is undefeated Which, Big Ten, undefeated ACC, undefeated SEC undefeated Pac-12, yeah. and that's the four that go. That's the cleanest. We're, there's no way we're getting that. But there's like, no way we're getting it's, that. It's, it never it's, happens. It's college football. Chaos will ensue. <laughs> we'll end up with a two-loss team in here by the time it's all uh, said and done. Man. I don't know if we'll get that, but maybe it's, not. Uh, but it's going to be – I think it's going to be fun. I have a fun couple weeks here, and I you know, I hope there's some – I hope there is some controversy. I, I, and, I like, and let's look at it this from another – in the final year of what we expect to be the final year of the four-year playoff, what would piss more people off than having two SEC teams in there? That's the whole. I, I, I think having no SEC anyway. teams in there would make more would make more people mad if they had none. They have zero. Yeah, they're not. They're not leaving them all out. I, I mean, like I said, and I think in your scenario, I don't think maybe Alabama gets in as the four. But Texas definitely has to make it. So you would in that scenario that I've laid out, Texas I think three, it, Alabama four. Yeah, I think that's what it would be. Maybe. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's uh, let's move that's, on now. That's fun. That's fun. Um, maybe maybe we do this again before the final playoff uh, vote comes out. That yeah. might be less controversial though. All right, let's move on. Let's look ahead to the eight games we're watching this week in week 12. And by God, almost all of our games are on Saturday this week. The only game that's not on Saturday is a game that took place last night, which I presume Toledo won. Uh, I'll be watching this at some point, probably tomorrow. Uh, Toledo and Bowling Green played last night on ESPN2. And this is always this was all for me to be able to watch uh, Toledo corner Quinion Mitchell, who Shane has already elaborated on as a stud. Had him in his first round of his last mock draft. Uh, did I put him in my first round of my mock draft this week? I think I did. Ooh. Maybe I didn't. Maybe he's in the second round. I went two rounds this week. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's exciting. But uh, anybody from Bowling Green. That I should key on. Um, no, <laughs> that's fair. Like, not really. I, you know, I, I, I was talking about. I, I'm all, I'm all mixed up because I watched this game yesterday. 
So I was talking yeah. about this this game and the game yes. that I watched the week. Oh, before, so you spoiler alerted everything. I spoiler for me that's you happen. on of the game. All right, but, well, that's good. But the game two weeks ago, he had an interception too. So at least I know that I'm going to get a good Quinion Mitchell game it's, to watch. Good, Maybe he's my game. defensive player of the week next week. Look, I, Maybe I he doubles up. I think he should be. But yeah, yeah Toledo has the has the couple guys that might get drafted here. So. Yeah. Let's move on. Saturday, 1 p.m. on ESPN Plus. Shane, you'll be watching Appalachian State at James Madison. We're going to talk a little bit more about James Madison later. Uh, I really wish we could have saw uh, their edge rusher, Jalen Green, who may still lead the country in sacks, but he's out for the rest of the year with an injury. So that kind of sucks. Nick Kidwell, their offensive tackle is fun. Um, App State. They're down this year. Uh, Brendan Harrington is a decent player, though. Um, anybody else in this game? Yeah, I mean, Nate Noel, the running back for App State, is finally back from injury, so I'm hoping to see him get a little bit more work. I also like Reggie Brown from James Madison. Yeah, I was I was really hoping to see Jalen Green, um, uh, you know, play, play in this game. I don't know if we'll get him, if he'll declare after the injury now. But uh, it's definitely an prospect there. He still leads, yeah, still leads the country in sex. There you go, Shane. Going to ESPN Plus again this time, and going back to the FCS ranks. One PM on Saturday, you'll be watching Montana State at Montana. And well, by God, we got to talk about the third uh, third year kicking prospect you've got on this list from Montana State, <laughs> Brendan Hall. Okay, oh, that's like six foot eight. Six foot eight, right? Two hundred thirty-two pounds. He's 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 a big uh, big kicker there. He's a tight end. That's not a kicker. He's listed six nine. If you want to bump him up, you know, it's pretty good. Um, look, I, I, that's that's why I had to add him. Uh, the, look, the prospects of this game are mostly from Montana. Chris Walker, their offensive tackle, uh, be good for his own blocking scheme. Really athletic. Uh, probably right tackle and then Cole Grossman, their tight end, 6'4, 225, plays some slot, plays some in line. I'm I'm, I'm gonna watch him. So I'm I'm kind of excited for that. Uh 2 30 p.m. on ESPN. Shane, you'll be watching North Carolina at Clemson. A lot of good prospects to watch in this game. Uh Drake May, can he become QB1? I mean, I think it's a question we're all asking you to you you watched them last week. Uh, you, we've, we've already talked about Tez Walker. So who, what are you looking forward to from the Clemson side of things uh, in this one? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Clemson still has a lot of good players, right? Uh, we talked last week about Rukor Horohoro, the defensive lineman who had a senior bowl invite last year, went back to school. I think he's intriguing. I like Andrew Makuba, the safety who's a kind of lighter middle fielder, big play guy. Nate Wiggins, the corner from Clemson, maybe has an outside shot at the first round, though he hasn't played as well in recent weeks. Um, Tyler Davis, defensive lineman for Clemson. So still some kind of pieces, even though Clemson hasn't had the year that they thought they would. Uh, Before we talk about the next game, I I, I failed to bring this up earlier when I meant to, but uh, I just want to talk about, you know what? Uh, we'll save it because we're, we're going to talk about it a little bit later. Scrap that. Uh, Kentucky at South Carolina, 6.30 p.m. on the SEC Network. I'll be watching this game because I was going to watch it anyway. But I need to watch Kentucky. 
uh, this season. So this is my chance to get them in play. Devin Leary has been disappointing, uh, to say the least, in Liam Cohen's offense. But Kentucky's got some guys on defense. Uh, And passively, when I've watched them, I've been a big fan of of what I think is going to be a good rotational guy on the interior defensive line. Octavius Oxendine from Kentucky. Uh, J.J. Weaver is a solid edge rusher uh, for them as well. And But uh, Andrew Phillips, their corner, is another uh, good player on defense. But the guy I really want to watch, I've seen him at Vanderbilt, and he's having a stud here. Ray Davis, we've talked about him. Uh, their running back. South Carolina, we've talked about them a lot. So I'm, I'm not really going to go into much detail with them. Yeah, I mean, and also look at Kentucky's O-line. Definitely a couple players that I think could get drafted. Marquise Cox, um, an offensive tackle, and uh, Eli Cox in the inside, perhaps. So it kind of a uh, interesting watch as well. There you go. And they, that's a good matchup. That's where South Carolina's defensive strength is, is on their interior defensive line with Boogie Huntley and Taka Hemingway. So that'll, that'll be a good matchup to watch. Uh 6.30 p.m., Shane, on ABC, what may be the game of the week uh, in college football this week, Washington at Oregon State. Oregon State, uh, two losses on the year, but they can definitely play spoiler here down the stretch and still get in that Pac-12 title game. Uh, they play Washington this week and Oregon next week, so that's a tough tough way to close out the season. But if they can get one of two, they can really shake things up. And I know we're big fans of their offensive tackles, uh, Talise Waga and uh, Joshua Gray are both studs. We've seen a resurgence from DJ Uyangole this year. Obviously, he was not the problem at Clemson. <laughs> so, got that name. And you mentioned a couple weeks ago, Andrew Chatfield, their edge rusher. Washington, we've talked about them a lot already this year. Um, Troy Faltanu, their offensive tackle, getting a lot of buzz now positively. Um, we had him as an interior offensive lineman. I've already made the move to kick him back outside because I think that's the NFL is going to see him that way as well. So what are you most looking forward to about this game? What any individual matchups? Um, you know, I, I want to see some of the Washington pass rushers up against uh, Fuaga and Gray. You know, we, we know Braylon Trice and, and Zion uh, Tupulia-Fatui are – Good players, like let's get that matchup going. Let me see that. So I'm excited for that. And uh, you know, of course, the Washington receivers. We'll see if they continue to produce against a tough Oregon State secondary. Yeah, I was supposed to say, does Oregon State have the DBs to contain those uh, those guys? That'll be fun to watch. Uh, 7 p.m. on the ACC Network. I'll be watching Syracuse at Georgia Tech. Uh, I wanted to get a Georgia Tech game in. I've already seen Syracuse, but uh, I, from last year, carrying over, I was a big fan of Georgia Tech's corners, uh, Kenyatta Watson, and especially LaMiles Brooks. So I kind of want to watch those guys. Hopefully they're still up to snuff. Uh, You've watched both of these teams this year. Is there a particular Yellow Jacket player that maybe I haven't talked about that I should watch? Um, I kind of like Eric Reed Jr., uh, their safety. I think he's a little bit intriguing for me. Uh, probably my favorite player on Georgia Tech right now. So, and and then some of their corners, uh, Kenyatta Watson, uh, KJ Wallace specifically. 
Finally, 7 p.m. on Fox, Texas at Iowa State. I had Texas to watch a few weeks ago, and then Quinn Ewers got hurt, so I lopped it off. Uh, now they've got another player I'm not going to get to see that's hurt. Uh, big news this week was their running back, Jonathan Brooks, torn ACL out for the rest of this season. Never like to see a running back with the with the ACL tear. But like I said, I want to see Quinn Ewers uh, talk around the campfire. Is he's going to go back to school next year? So maybe he's not in the, even in this draft class. But I still need to officially get my eyeballs on him. Uh, but Texas got a lot of guys. I, I need to Jatavian Sanders. Their tight ends. Another guy I, I really want to watch in this game. Yeah, I'm excited for the receivers. I mean, Xavier Worthy, we've talked about from Texas, 4-3 speed guy. Then Adonai Mitchell, the transfer from Georgia, 6-3, 190s, having a great season. He's up into the top 100. And they're going up against TJ Tampa, the corner from Iowa State, who's very good, also potential top 100 prospect. So that's going to be a fun one. I'm excited to hear what you uh, what you come away with. Is he a Tampa 2 corner? Is he a cover 2 corner? Uh, or is he a uh, man corner? I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure that the like 180 pound uh, uh, would work <laughs> in the Tampa two anymore. No, no, it would not. All right, so that's going to do it for our look ahead to Week 12 of college football this week. But that brings us now, Shane. Are, are you on a winning streak? Yeah, two, two in a row. Two I'm going to get back row. up to 500 here, baby. Look at that. Look, the believers. The believers in Shane, the believers are getting rewarded here. There we go. We're, we're going to finish strong. I won last week after my homer pick of South Carolina. They covered pretty handily. Yeah. I must say, you. never. That was, that's one when I jokingly say never in doubt. That baby was never in doubt last week. Uh, all right. So, Shane, last year I went through this, and I'm going to make you a believer in this at some point. I am fully on board. Interim coaches, the initial first week after you bring it, you hire, you promote the interim coach, you get that bump, you get that juice, you get that win. There's a couple of those I could have gone with this week. Texas A&M, they're actually they're not even on the board because I think they're playing Abilene Christian, so they don't even get to count in this week. But Boise State and Mississippi State both with interim coaches, both good lines. But I'm going Boise State mm. on the road at Utah State. I don't even know who the interim coach's name is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> that doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Minus three and a half the line here. Give me Boise State by a touchdown. I actually consider Mississippi State, so I like, I like the uh, – Yeah. I like that. Um, I, I considered Oklahoma State. Uh, minus six and a half against Houston to bounce back from just getting crushed by UCF. I feel like, uh, you know, you can bounce back from that. But I'm going with the Brian Bosarge patented way to bet. I'm taking Jacksonville State, baby. Minus eight and a half against Louisiana Tech. Uh, I, I think Jacksonville State, as you will get into in a little bit, they're going to be raring and ready to go and win. Pissed just, off yes. is what that's going to be. Hey, I, I've warned you down. Next thing you know, you're going to be picking oh, yeah. UNLV. All right, uh, uh, let's not go too far, but <laughs> I do. Uh, I do love me some betting on Jack State. All right, that brings us to a segment I think is going to be more difficult. We talked about this off air after the show last week. Um, coming up with five interior defensive linemen 
at the top that we expect to declare uh, is a bit tougher than I think we initially thought. So I'm going to start with the easy one here, and I feel like this is also going to be your number one as well. Uh, number one at the top for me is Illinois uh, defensive lineman Jerzon Newton. He was my number one to start the season. He's my number one now. He's just a, got the pass rush presence on the inside, tackle for loss machine. He's just a powerful stud, 6'2", 290. I think he's a potential top 15, if not top 10 pick in this draft class. I, I agree. He He's the only defensive lineman here that, that I'm like, yes, he helped his stock. And he Confidence. was already – and he's yeah. already, he was already a top pick, so um, he's the the guy that I'm confident about. Jerzon Newton, num- number one defensive lineman. Number two for me is a projection. I think he's going to enter the draft class just because um, of the hype that was coming into the season. But in the production, the production because of injuries and stuff, wasn't there coming into the season. And I'm not sure the production's quite been there this year. But we're just basing potential. Somebody's got to get it out right. And that's uh, Mason Amazon Smith from LSU, 6'5", 316. Third-year player I think is going to enter the draft. He's a guy that I'm just, I'm just going to go with here at two because, as we're going to get to later, it gets dicey. Yeah, he's my in my number two as well, uh, Mason Smith. Uh, you know, the production hasn't been there this season, but I think the athleticism really comes through, uh, you know, I think we could see a late surge for for Mason Smith, and he's still in that first round conversation. When you're six five three sixteen and moves like he does, it's like oh, we we can make this guy work. So yeah, I think he still comes out. Yeah, uh, number three on my rankings is going to be different from here because as we talked last week, and I, I defer to you because you're the Ohio State guru. Uh, you don't think Tyreek Williams is going to come out? in this draft class. So I'm leaving him off my board. Uh, the third year player from Ohio state, six, three, three thirty. So that brings me down to who will be number three on my list here is Georgia, uh, defensive lineman, Nazir Stackhouse. Another one where projection is key here, but he has flashed some brilliance this year, uh, including a near pick six, uh, a few weeks ago against Missouri, but has had some productive games and has had some games where not so much, but I think Nazir Stackhouse, uh, I don't know if he's a first-round pick. If he is, I think it's late. But uh, I, he, he comes in here at number three on my board. He's number five on mine, and, and I agree with everything you said. I think probably not a first-round pick, but an early day two pick. Stackhouse, you know, he's 320, but it, it is more athletic than that build. I, so I think he's versatile enough that he'll get drafted fairly high. So number five on my board. Who's number three on your board? Uh, number three is a, a fifth-year player that keeps rising up for me, and that's that's Oregon's Brandon Dorless. Um, I mean, just probably the best penetrating defensive lineman in terms of pass rush that I've seen this season. Is five sacks on the year, leads Oregon in sacks, two ninety. I mean, just plays plays low, plays violent, and the first step's really good. I think Dorless is still kind of underrated out there. Doralis is number five on my board, um, but I think is, is, is coming up uh, coming up higher. I uh, would have been number four, but I went back and forth on my number four this week, and I put him back in. And that's uh, another guy where it, we're, the, the word potential is beaten to death in this because 
we're just not seeing the production out of a lot of these guys that you want to see. So we have to use the potential word here. And that applies to Miami third-year player Leonard Taylor the third, 63305. I said last week when we were talking about this, I'm going to leave him off. But then I'm like, no, there might be a mass exodus from Miami, and I think he might be one of them. So I, I, I think that Taylor comes in at four on my board. Another guy, like I think – not dissimilar from um, Stackhouse, where maybe not a first-round guy, but early day two, you're looking at you start restacking that board, and he's a guy that that some teams are going to target. So that's where I settled with Leonard Taylor the third. He's my number four as well. We have the same same five guys, just flipped uh, three and five. I I th- yeah, I'm with you. I, I think Miami, especially those defenders, I think can get out of there. And I think Leonard Taylor has the skill set to go to the NFL. I'm kind of with you. Like, I don't, I don't even think he'll be a top five defensive lineman drafted, you know, but I think that the NFL potential is there to be a penetrating defensive lineman who can, you know, play some base end, even just like the versatility is out there. And I think a lot of the other three and four year guys I have on my list just don't, don't go to the draft ultimately. Yeah, that that's fair. Um, I, I'm not even going to get further down the list because it, it's 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 a mess. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I mean, I think I think we have kind of these uninspiring older guys, right? Like, I think the How- Howard Cross, the third we've talked about from Notre Dame, it's probably going to get drafted a little higher than a lot of people have them. You know, um, you know, Rook or Horahoro from Clemson. He probably will do decently. Tavondre Sweat from Texas, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's is, is, like, I, is, is Sweat the best like pure nose? I think so. I think I think if you don't consider Stackhouse a nose, then I think Sweat is the best best pure the best pure nose. That's a good way to put it. Okay, I think uh, by far too. I don't, I don't yeah. know if there's anyone that really challenges him. It's, it's rough. Uh, Net, uh, so let's let's quickly go back over that. Uh, that they were roughly the same. Uh, number one for me was Jerzon Newton from Illinois. Number two, one for Shane Jerzon Newton, Illinois. Number two for me, Mason Smith, LSU. Number two for Shane Mason Smith, LSU. Three for me, Nazir Stackhouse, Georgia. Number three for Shane Brandon Dorless, Oregon. Four for both of us, Leonard Taylor the third from Miami. Number five for me, Brandon Dorless, Oregon. Five for Shane Nazir Stackhouse. Like I said, same five guys. Just flip-flopped on one guy there. Uh, next week, Shane, we're going to look at linebackers, and uh, I'm going to go make a bold prediction here that at least one or two of the guys we're going to talk about next week will not be drafted in the first two days of the draft just because wow. of position value at that position now. I think we're going to see a couple of guys that we talk about next week are day three picks. Wow, uh, it's interesting. I think your boy uh, Jim Nagy said that might be the best group at the Senior Bowl this year is the off-ball linebackers, so we'll see. We'll see. I'm not saying that the group's not going to be good. I'm just saying I think the value of the position is it's going the way of the running back. Yeah, I agree with you there. It, it definitely is. Um, but, yeah, and there's not a lot of teams when I do mocks and I'm like, ah, Really need an off-ball linebacker. Gotta, gotta have that linebacker, you know? right? Yeah. I was so. when I was doing the second round, uh, the second round of mock of the day. I was like, I feel like I gotta cram some of these guys in here. Like I was at pick sixty-four and had still had Jeremiah Trotter sitting there. I'm like, 
Well, hell, his dad played for the Eagles. Let's put him on the Eagles. I, I love that. I always love doing that. All right. So the Reese's Senior Bowl is they're they're happening. They're they're hopping right now. Uh, six guys um, were extended invites this week. Five have formally accepted their invites, but we're going to lead with the one who got his invite but hasn't accepted just because I wanted to talk about him and the performance he had last week against Florida. And that's quarterback Jaden Daniels becomes officially the second quarterback to get invited to the game behind another Louisiana quarterback, Tulane's Michael Pratt. But uh, Jaden Daniels last week becomes the first FBS quarterback in history to go 350 in the air, 200 on the ground. The first player in SEC history to have 600 yards of total offense in a game. Is it crazy? I mean, I, th- th- there are people talking about it today. I, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but is there any chance he gets pushed up to QB1? QB1? QB1. I think that's a little crazy. I, I, I think, think so, too. I think, I think so, too. I think, like, a top 10 pick, yeah. Like, I, yeah. Think it could I had him top, top 10 in my mock this week. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you probably – be there he, he should win the, he needs to win the Heisman I, yeah. I mean I don't care about yeah. record like I, I, it's 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 unreal to me that he's not going to win the Heisman yeah he's the best player in college football if that's Heisman. what the award is he's the best player in college football he wins the he needs to win the Heisman I mean there's precedent for it with three law like Lamar Jackson was on a three loss team Robert Griffin the third was on a three loss team LSU's going to have three losses but Jaden Daniels is the best player in college football and should win the Heisman Trophy without a doubt. If it goes to anybody else, it's a farce. I, I hope he goes to Mobile and lights it up because I, I think oh, Jaden Daniels yeah. can can yeah compete at the top. And hey, maybe there is a team. I mean, I thought at this point with Kyler Murray, like no way. And then that happens, so you never know. Yeah, I mean, we never say never, never. for sure. But no, I, I, I don't. I never never say never. I, I don't I don't think it will happen, but we'll never say. It. Well, let's look at the other. Let's go quick uh, through the other five guys that accepted invites, and there's some small school guys in here um, this week, and that includes uh, running back. That dare we? Who did you compare him to? Danny Dylan Woodhead. Wood, Danny, Danny Woodhead, uh, yeah. the Shadron State uh, running back. Uh, Dylan Laub, the uh, running back from New Hampshire, uh, accepted his invite today. Um, very dynamic and catches the ball extremely well. Return specialists, special teams, great. Runs the ball, great. Uh, is New Hampshire going to make the playoffs? Because I, I kind of want to watch him play before he goes to the Senior Bowl. So hopefully they'll make the playoffs. And I'll, and yeah, I'll be able to I'll, squeeze that in. Yeah, I'll have to look up what their, what their record is. Yeah. But, I mean, he's been – his receiving yardage almost matches his rushing yardage. He's going to be, which is outstanding. Top three receiver receiving uh, back. Now that their record is not good enough to make the playoff. Wow. Um, <laughs> so, but I mean, he's Dylan Lobs phenomenal. Yeah, YouTube, come on, baby. All right. But uh, another small school guy, Division two player, uh, gets the call this week, and it's Virginia State defensive back Willie Drew. I know absolutely nothing about this guy. So my first set, my first look at him, because I'm not going to go back and find Virginia State tape. There's no point. So my first look at him will be in in Mobile, probably in the one-on-ones. 
Well, if you want to learn more about the Lob and uh, Willie Drew, I wrote them up in my article today for Draft Countdown. I talked about some small school sleepers, and yeah, I mean, Willie Drew's like super, you know, super athletic. I think he could run in the four threes. He's that kind of, you know, fast athletic corner that uh, has a good nose for the ball. There's definitely a lot of upside there. A pair of interior offensive linemen accepting invites um, this week: Christian Haynes from UConn, who I've watched this season he's a stud as well as uh dominic pooney uh from kansas who this is his first year in fbs correct he transferred up from d2 central missouri so it's, it's wild man i mean to be able to come up and, and have this kind of season uh from d2 yeah well if you're good now college teams will find you to transfer up and the the nfl will find you so you, if you're good enough, you will be found. At this point, if you're not getting brought up from FCS or, uh, or, or D2, that maybe that's a sign that, that football's not for you. I, I don't know. I, I kid, but it certainly seems like it's heading that way. Um, final player who was invited this week and accepted just, just came out right before uh, we came on the air, and that's uh, Florida State tight end maybe fullback in the game, uh, Jaheim Bell, South Carolina transfer. Obviously, I think we can agree here, made the right decision and uh, coming over from South Carolina to Florida State. But uh, Bell, super athlete at the position, going to be a little undersized for a full-time tight end. That's why we're projected, we projected him as a fullback uh, in the game. But he's going to be an H-back weapon in the NFL, and I think he's a good offensive coordinator. Is going to have a lot of fun with this guy. Yeah, I mean, he, he can play just so many different positions. Um, I'm excited for you to see him down there, see your old old friend there from the Gamecocks. I think Bell's going to get drafted pretty, pretty highly and, and have a great workout too. Yeah, I agree. All right, that's going to do it for our main topics tonight. I forgot to mention earlier um, – Another injury kind of came across today that affects the 2024 NFL draft class, and that's uh, Iowa corner Cooper DeGene. Uh, they're calling it a lower leg injury, but they're not being they're being very vague as to what that is. So we don't know if it's a knee, we don't know if it's an ankle, we don't know if it's an Achilles. We have no idea. We know it happened at practice. That's all we know. So I'm guessing maybe we'll find out in the next couple of days. But the severity of it is very impactful here because if it's like an Achilles or, you know, an ACL, that directly impacts a guy who we projected to be in the first round, right? So you're going to have to – you're going to dock him for that into the day two at least. But if it's just an ankle or so, you know, we, we can work around that. Right. Maybe it's something he just – he's shutting it down like there's no reason to play anymore. So hopefully it's nothing major. Yeah. So, all right. So that's going to do it. We have no questions in Discord or in chat or on Twitter. So we're going to move on to final thoughts where the NCAA can go to hell. These guys are just trash. James Madison, currently undefeated, uh, petitioned a waiver to the NCAA to basically allow them because the NCAA has a very archaic rule where if you transfer up divisions, be it from D2 to FCS or FCS to 
FBS, you have to basically two years of no conference championships, no bowl games, anything like that. This rule was, I, I, I'm going to be honest, I have no idea why the rule was ever put in place to begin with, but now it looks really stupid when you can turn over a roster in one year. You can bring in 65 to 80 new players on a roster and you don't have to worry about transitioning. You're already transitioned, right? So it makes absolutely no sense why James Madison, who should have been in a bowl game last year, this year should be in a New Year's Six Bowl, or at least have a chance at a New Year's Six Bowl game, because they would be the highest uh, group of five ranked team right now if they were allowed to be in the playoff rankings, which they're not. So they're not eligible to win the Sun Belt title, which means they're not eligible for the playoff rankings. They're not eligible for a bowl game. This also adversely affects Jacksonville State, who is currently seven and two. And if they were to win this week, which by your lock of the week, they should. They would be playing for the Conference USA Championship against Liberty. They can't because of this rule. Now, both teams are likely going to get to play in bowl games anyway because if there's not enough six and six teams in bowl games, then the those two would be the next ones up before they go to the five and seven APR ranking teams. So they're probably, and right now, most people who are projecting bowls think there's only going to be 78 bowl eligible teams for 82 spots. So they're likely going to get into bowl games anyway. But they shouldn't have to worry about that. They should be going to their conferences, affiliated bowl games, or in the case of James Madison, potentially playing in the Fiesta Bowl or whichever bowl game the group of five champion is going to be in this year. Uh, the group of five representative into the New Year's Six Bowl games. So it's just complete trash. The NCAA is trash. They were trashed for the Tez Walker ruling earlier. They continue to just show themselves to be complete morons. Yeah, look, I, I, I you're right. I mean, this I just don't lie. Like, what, what's the I, – I don't understand the reasoning behind this rule, so I don't know. Now, if, if, they, if they get in because there's not enough eligible – do the other teams have to kind of get picked first, or yes. is it like yes. okay? So it's like basically get a garbage so, bowl because it might be under. Well, here's well here's the thing though. ESPN owns like half the bowl games, so uh, ESPN gets to basically move stuff around, and they're gonna they're gonna oh hey we got James Madison now hell yeah let's move seventh place Mac team out and put James Madison against such and such champion, and let's get us a good bowl game, good bowl yeah. matchup, maybe in New Orleans or something, like the New Orleans Bowl or something, something that has some teeth. Yeah, so I'm interested to see. I'm glad they'll be able to still go to something, but ridiculous. But, but, but then you could have the scenario where, oh, hey, we have a bunch of upsets end up happening over the next few weeks like say a certain team in the state of South Carolina were to win their last two games, then one of those spots doesn't come open, right? So you right. could start seeing scenarios where then they get bumped out if you start seeing, I don't want to call them mediocre teams, but teams that have underachieved this year win some games at the end of the year that maybe they aren't projected to win. Yeah, so to speak. hopefully not. Well, 
like to see South Carolina get ball game, but that's just me. You know. All right. That's going to do it for tonight's episode of the Draft Countdown Podcast. As always, if you're new to the channel, go ahead and uh, hit that subscribe button. Uh, like the videos, share them out as well. Uh, if you're listening to this on the audio version of it, be it on Apple Podcasts, be it on Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen to your podcast, leave us a five-star review. Share that out as well. We'd love to get those numbers up big time as well. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Howell. Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter at Draft Countdown. And as always, go to DraftCountdown.com for your daily NFL draft needs. For Shane, I'm Brian. Good night, everybody. Good night.